I'll never forget, um, it was several years ago, probably three years ago, that Kristen and I and the boys uh, walked into this theater. We were coming to see Star Wars. We were with our friends, Brian and Ashley Larson, and uh, we came in, and they put us in the theater where the kids uh, is now. Uh, that was the theater that we walked into, and it was trash, okay? Just trash, like duct tape, screen. It was so bad. And I just said, I am not watching Star Wars in this theater. I'm sorry. And so I walked back out, and I, we looked, and we saw that it was going to be showing in the main theater in an hour later. So we went over to Victor's Tacos, got us a couple. What up? Shout out to Victor's. Got us some Victor's Tacos. And uh, we came back an hour later, and we were waiting, and the manager walked out. And I said, man, this place is a dump. Like, y'all need to update this, Okay. And he said, we're not going to update it because we're building a new one down, down the road. I said, really? What are you doing with this one? And so I called Robert Stout, and I said, Robert, you need to get on this. And Robert jumped on it, and we were able to put an offer on this building before it even went on the market. And so here we are, sitting in what used to be a movie theater and having church. Isn't that exciting? I, I, Sam, hand me that bucket right there, buddy. Thank you. This is just some of the plans that we went through so many different plans. I, you cannot believe. This is just a few of them. But it all started out with a pages document on my computer where I would say, Kristen, what if we put the kids here? What if we did that and we'd move it around? And even when the architects started working on it, uh, we felt we did something. We flipped the entire building. So it's just so many, so many renditions of it. But God knew all along what it was supposed to be. They built a theater, but little did they know they were building a place that was going to become God's house. Amen? So I want to talk today about God's house. I think that's fitting in our first Sunday here at the hills that we talk about the house of God. Amen, little sweetheart. The house of God has always been symbolic of God's presence and symbolic of God's purpose. Always. I'm going to say that again. The house of God has always been symbolic of God's presence and God's purpose. The Bible is clear that God blesses those that love his house. God loves it when we focus on him and when we focus on his. I've mentioned in messages before that David wanted to build God a house. Second Samuel chapter 7. I want to bring it on the screen. Those of you that are at home, it'll be on your screen as well. Second Samuel 7. And one. She didn't like my preaching. Okay. It's all right, sweetie. I'll do better in a minute. Second Samuel 7 and 1. When King David was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all the surrounding enemies. Let's just stop right there. Doesn't that sound like a good retirement right there? How many like to be settled in your palace, first of all? And number two, no more enemies. Amen. He was settled in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest from all the surrounding enemies. And the king summoned Nathan the prophet, and he said, Look, I am living in a beautiful cedar palace, but the ark of God is out there in a tent. So you know what I'm going to do, Nathan? I'm going to build God a house. Don't you love that? What kind of audacious faith is this? I'm going to build God a house. Now, David knew the scriptures. He had read Isaiah 
where God said in Isaiah 66, this is what the Lord says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? David knew what Isaiah said, that God said, you can't build me a house big enough. And yet David still said, I'm going to build God a house. How many love that kind of audacious tenacity and faith, right? I believe God loves that as well. But God spoke to David, and he said, you're not going to build me a house. You're not the one that's been chosen. You, you've shed too much blood in your life. But since you said you wanted to, watch what I'm going to do. 2 Samuel 7. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared I took you from tending sheep in the pasture and selected you to be the leader of my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone and I have destroyed all your enemies before your eyes. Now I will make your name as famous as anyone who has ever lived on earth. Furthermore, the Lord declares, declares that he will make a house for you. David, you're not gonna build me a house but just because you said you wanted to build me a house, I'm going to build you a house. A dynasty of kings. For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring. I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name. And I will secure his royal throne forever. Verse 16, your house David, and your kingdom will continue before me for all time, and your throne will be secure forever. All because David said, I want to build God a house. God said, I'm going to build you one, and it'll be one that will never end. Your throne, David, will never end. Can anybody tell me who is in the lineage of David and sits on the throne of David? He's a guy named Jesus. And his throne will never, ever, ever end. All because David said, I want to build God a house. David never placed one brick. He never hammered one nail in God's house. He simply said, I want to build him one. And God built him an everlasting one. Listen, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. If you're not, I want you to amen it real loud. If we will have a heart to build God's house, God will build our house. So that's all the non-note takers. Okay, that's great. If we will have a heart for God's house, God will have a heart for our house. And not just our house. He said, I'm not just going to build you. I'm going to build I'm, I'm going to build your, your son's house and his son's house and their son's house. And it's going to go on and on and on. He will build a house for our children. Look at 1 Chronicles 22 and 5. David said, my son Solomon is still young and inexperienced. And since the temple to be built for the Lord must be a magnificent structure, famous and glorious throughout the world, I will begin making preparations for it now. Chapter 28, 11. And then David gave Solomon the plans for the temple and its surroundings. David wanted to build God a house. God said, you're not going to do it. So what did David do? He didn't sulk, did he? That's a Mississippi word, sulk. Have you ever heard that? Just pouting. I think some of us probably would have pouted, right? 
well, I want to build you a house and you won't let me. No. What did he do? He began to make preparations for his son to build God a house. I believe that we need to teach our children how to love God's house and how to love God, how to respect his house and how to respect him. Amen? That's our calling as a generation. David went on to tell Solomon, verse 20, chapter 22, I have worked hard to provide materials for building the temple of the Lord. Watch this. Nearly 4,000 tons of gold, 40,000 tons of silver, and so much iron and bronze that it cannot be weighed. I have also gathered timber and stone for the walls, though you may need to add more. You have a large number of skilled stonemasons and carpenters and craftsmen of every kind. You have expert goldsmith and silversmiths and workers of bronze and iron. Now begin the work and may the Lord be with you. David did not build a temple, but he provided the resources and the design for his son to build it. Let me talk to my generation for just a moment. I believe that God has tasked our generation to help the next generation build God's kingdom. I believe that with all my heart. Now, I know this is our first day in this building, but I want to talk about what's next for us. Is it too soon? Hashtag too soon? No, it's not, because God has greater things for us than just this right here. I celebrate this. I am so excited about it, but I'm also excited about us building an entire children's wing where our kids can have it all to themselves, and the youth can have their own room. I mean, you know we're in the youth's room right now, right? You know that? In phase two, this is where the youth are going to be. So thank you, young people, for allowing us to use your space on Sunday. I believe... I believe that God has asked us as a generation to set up the next generation, to prepare for them, to give them the plans, to give them the designs, to give them the resources. Wouldn't it be amazing if our kids and grandkids never had to worry about taking a loan to get a building ever again? Wouldn't it be great if they never had to worry about where we're going to meet, what are we going to do? What if we could just provide it for them? I'm believing we're going to do that. With all my heart, on this very first Sunday, I'm speaking prophetically and in faith that we're going to be able to build this entire thing out, and, and it's going to be debt-free. I believe it in Jesus' name. Crazy? Is that crazy? No, I'm believing it with all my heart. Look at what David did. He, he provided the manpower and the money for Solomon. The manpower. It's going to be on the screen. It took 180,000 laborers seven and a half years to construct the temple. And I was mad after two years of working on this thing. Seven and a half years, 180,000 laborers, people that served and gave. I just want to stop and I want to thank each of you that have served, that have given that have believed, that have attended. Many of you that are watching online that, that you couldn't be with us today. We, I've got texts and, and emails from folks that are joining us online. Thank you. Those of you that helped us in our, in our living room and helped us in the basement. And I see Casey sitting on the front row. He's been with us from the very beginning. Casey, this is as much yours as it is anybody's. And we honor you. We honor all of you. Hey, Hills family, would you just give all these folks a great big hand today? Thank you. Thank you. He didn't just give him manpower. He gave him money. 
Just the gold in the temple in today's economy would have been worth $194 billion. Just the gold. The silver would have been worth $22 billion. That was over half of the known gold supply in the world. Let me just say that again. Over half of the gold in the world went into building the temple. And then David said, I'm not going to allow others to give. I'm going to give of my own money. He gave of his own money 3,000 talents of gold and 7,000 talents of silver. That 7,000 talents of silver in today's economy would be worth $75 million that David gave. 3,000 talents of gold, David gave $5.5 billion of his own money to go into the house of the Lord. Just the gold and silver alone, not counting the timbers, not counting the precious stones, not counting the labor, not counting any of that. Just the gold and silver would be worth $216 billion today. And I almost passed out when we bought this for 3.8 million, you know? Did you know that if, if you took the money that for the gold and the silver, that you could have built 28 pyramids from just that? The house of God was priceless. And I love that David gave extravagantly. And the people of Israel gave extravagantly because there's nothing, there's nothing that he's not worthy of. Can I hear an amen? So David provides Solomon with the plans and the resources. I'm believing that that's exactly what we're going to be doing for our next generation. I love that even in phase one of this building, that over half of it is dedicated to next generation. You might hear some babies crying. They're in that nursery right there, just right there. They can hear us in there. I love the fact that over half of this building already is dedicated to the next generation where we're training them up and building it up. And you know what's going to happen? One day, they're going to reap a harvest, and we're going to be part of that. Every, every minute that you serve, every dime that you sow, we get to reap it when they reap it. Look at what Jesus said in John 4, 36. Now, even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life. I love this. So that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. I am celebrating today the harvest that our next generations are going to reap. That's what we're doing today. When we celebrate, we're celebrating in the future. Not only are we building something for our kids and their kids and their kids, we're also building something for this community, something for this community. I sent, uh, I had a phone call with, with Paula Foster. Many of you may know that name. Paula and Dr. David Foster planted a church in Bellevue many years ago, Bellevue Community Church. And it was long before anybody planted churches in schools and they were just ahead of their time. And when I moved to Nashville, Dr. Foster took me in and spent some time with me. And I, I still have notes that, uh, things that he said. And, uh, 
and just became very dear to me. And he passed away a few years ago. And so I, I reached out to Paula this week and I said, I want you to know that we're having church uh, in Bellevue where you guys started. And I just want you to know that, that we honor you. And, and she said, you're going to be a blessing to this community. This community needs the hills now. Here's what I love. Ezekiel 43 and 12. This is the law of the temple. All the surrounding area on top of the mountain will be most holy. This is the law of the temple. Did you know that not only is this place going to be holy, but everything around this place is going to be holy. Bellevue is going to be blessed because the hills is here. Amen? I think I'm a little bigger amen than that right now. Amen? Every single person that served and gave and prayed for this venue to come to pass is going to be blessed. God told Malachi that if you will make my house your priority, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have room enough to take it in. How many of you want that kind of blessing? No, I'll take y'all's right now. Lord, you saw that. One hand was raised. Me and my man raised our hand right here. Just as, let me ask you a question. How many of you want that kind of blessing? You know how to do it? Make God's house a priority. Make it a priority. Every time the doors are open, I'm going to be there. Matter of fact, when the doors aren't open, I may be here. Just come walk. Chris and I can't leave. We just come and walk around. What do we got to do? Nothing, but let's just stay for a little while. I love that. God wants us to have a heart for his house. In closing, God told Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 8, he said, I want you to tell those people that have honored me and they've honored my house that I'm promising them something. I'm promising them something. So I want you to listen. For those of you that love God's house, he's going to promise you something. And that is, not that scripture, bring that one down. That is this, Look, watch this. God said, tell them this, that when they pray, I'm gonna hear their prayer. Secondly, if enemies come, I will protect them. Remember, this is a promise for everyone that loves God's house. One, I'm gonna hear your prayer. Two, when the enemies show up, I'm gonna protect you. Three, if there's drought and famine, I will provide. If there's pestilence, I will intervene. If there's disaster, I will care for them. If there's disease, I'm going to heal. If you sin, but you repent, I will forgive your sins. That's the promise that God made. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the promise he made for the people that loved his house then is the same promise for the folks that love his house now. Aren't you thankful for that promise today? And just like God does, he takes it to another level. He says, this is not just for Israel. This is not just for church folks for Christians. Now you can bring that scripture up. He said, in the future, foreigners who do not belong to your people Israel will hear of you. Everybody say foreigners. These are the people that the Jewish folks didn't hang out with. These were the Gentiles. They weren't allowed in the temple. It just wasn't how it is. They were the outcasts. They were the unbelievers. They were the pagans. And yet, God said, I want you to know this. The foreigners, they will come from distant lands because of your name. 
They will hear of your great name and your strong hand and your powerful arm, and they will pray toward this temple. And then I will hear from heaven and grant whatever they ask. Don't you love God that he never makes it exclusive? If you go into our volunteer hub, you'll see a mirror there. And on that mirror, we've written him and them. That's what it's all about. It's all about him and it's all about them. So I'm glad you're here today, but we didn't build this house just for us. We built this house for the foreigners, those that are far from God, those that don't know him, those that have never experienced what you and I have experienced. That's what this house is about. And God says, if they will show up to my house, I'm going to hear their prayer and I'm going to answer. One last reading. Have I read too much scripture for you today? Okay, making sure. Second Chronicles chapter 7. Man, I love this. So Solomon finished the temple of the Lord as well as the royal palace. He completed everything he had planned to do in the construction of the temple and the palace. Then one night, the Lord appeared to Solomon and said, I have heard your prayer and I have chosen this temple as a place for making sacrifices. Now Solomon at times I might shut up the heavens so no rain falls or command grasshoppers to devour your crops or I might even send plagues among you. But then, everybody say then. Everybody say then. Then, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and restore their land. Verse 15. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. For I have chosen this temple and set it apart to be holy, a place where my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over it, for it is dear to my heart. God watches over his house and he watches over those who love his house. So Lord, today, on our first Sunday in this venue, as pastor of this church, as the founding pastor, that sounds old, I say that this is your house. It's not a movie theater anymore. This is not our house. This is your house. Watch over it. bring provision I pray that you would be honored to everything that goes on here every worship song every community event every baby dedication every marriage this is your house we dedicate it to you Lord May you receive, may you receive the reward that is yours, a harvest of souls. God, may we never count people as our reward. 
they're your reward. You shed your blood for them. Every soul that comes to know you is your reward. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for those that have gone before us and have given and sowed and shared. I thank you for all the pastors and churches in this area that have broken the ground. The Wilsons. I thank you, Lord, for all the sacrifice that we stand on the shoulders of so many people. May they know that this is part of their harvest as well. Give us a love for your house, Lord. Let our children love your house. When they think about something to do, I hope they want to show up at the hills, Lord. Let this place be a place of laughter and joy and power and healings in Jesus' name. God, you said that you would hear the prayers. And so, God, we're praying to you today. Let this be a house of healing. Let it be a house of deliverance and salvation and joy and the glory of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me give you an opportunity today to make a step toward Jesus. Man, what a better day to give your life to Jesus than on the first day in our brand new building. Amen? Those of you that are joining us online, let me ask you, what's your relationship like with Jesus? Is he the Lord of your life? You may be a believer, but is he your Lord? Is he your Savior? Is he your Master? Have you given him everything? Those of you that are with me today, maybe you just showed up as a guest. Somebody invited you. and You've never made a commitment to follow Jesus. I want to encourage you to do so. The scripture tells us very plainly that if you will believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. So whether it's the first time for you or you want to rededicate your life, I would love for you to join me and our Hills family in praying this prayer. Come on, pray it with me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for your house. Today, I make a commitment. I am yours. You are mine. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. Today, I receive your grace. Forgive me of all my sins. I pray, God, you would fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I want everything that comes with it. I want to live with you forever, abundantly, beginning right now. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody say amen. Hey, Hills family, let's celebrate with the folks that prayed that prayer today.